0: Good evening, fair and noble ladies and gentlemen. This is the Rich Outcast, and I am Rich Outfield, and uh, you are my prisoner for the next few minutes. We control the horizontal mambo. So I'm recording this at a time where I haven't recorded an episode in a good long time. The ones that I have been putting out right now have all been, I guess what I used to call conversation episodes. Episodes where a story is not attached. I even let one slip by where I talked about a story idea that I had, but I had not yet written, as though that were an acceptable substitute for a story. But these things happen in cycles. For a while there, I was uh, putting out several episodes that were story shows, and I was impressed with my own productivity, if you will, and then for a while there, I, I was just putting out conversation episodes, and I saved the only story episode that I had in the bag for Patreon supporters only, which, you know, as a way to reward them or punish them, if you didn't like the story, for supporting me. Let me make sure this thing is recording, because I have had bad experiences before. 2018 has been a strange year for me, writing-wise. I have not produced much of anything, really. I was in a funk. Hopefully this episode drops after creative constipation, but... Maybe not, because this episode may be easier to put out than that one. But uh, I just, I didn't feel inspired. I didn't feel motivated. I I didn't care. And that's the biggest hurdle. I mean, you know what I mean? There's certain things that you feel like you ought to do, and it just eats you up inside that you're not doing them. But the things where you're just like, yeah, I, I frankly don't care if I get fat, or I frankly don't care if I have high blood pressure, or I frankly don't care, you know, if I don't get any overtime, or or whatever it is, those are hard. Because you have to care, I think, to put forth extra effort. Anyhow, I've already gone through this with you in that episode. I asked Big, I, I, I I all but pleaded with Big to collaborate with me collaborate on a story because in the past when we've collaborated it's been a fun exercise where in, in the past when we've collaborated it's been you write a day and then I write a day and then you write a day and then I write a day and it's kind of like you have a day off every other day and you get a little bit of a burst of I, I don't want to say adrenaline but but something similar to adrenaline in reading what your partner wrote on his day. At least the way that Big and I did our collaborations. When my friend Jeff, when we'd collaborate, we were both in the same room and we'd just sort of walk through things together. And usually I would type and just, you know, to amuse myself, I would type things differently than he said them, you know, to see if he would realize. And that's one way of collaborating And Big and I with the, you know, just sending it back and forth is another way. But you start to feel like you're creating something together and you can't wait for it to be your turn again. Now, this is when the collaboration has gone smoothly, when it's when it's gone well. He writes something and I was like, oh, okay, I know what scene is coming up. Oh, I hope that I get to write that scene. He doesn't kind of thing. And in a way, that sounds like it's a competition. But you know, whatever gets you through the night, right? But I sort of failed on that. Big said, oh yeah, okay, that sounds cool. Uh, But instead of collaboration, why don't we both write a story? And mine ended up really, really, really large. In fact, I worked on it for a couple of minutes today, just trying to get it in a condition where I can send it to him. And uh, that seems unlikely. I think I explained before I split it into two parts. I figured each part would be about a thousand, it's not a thousand, 10,000 words. So, you know, the full piece, the full novella would be about 20,000 words. But when I typed them up, part one was 12 or 13,000 words. And I think part two was also 12,000 words. And it's still in no condition to send to Big Anklevich But I haven't done much writing besides that. I've been trying to write every single day. And today, I sort of forced myself to write what you're about to hear. And it's a sketch called I Caligula. A-Y comma Caligula. With an upside down exclamation point at the beginning and one at the end. Yeah, sometimes we do things to amuse ourselves and it doesn't amuse anybody else, young man. I'd done a couple of these little things in the past when my nephew was three or four, and the one that comes immediately to mind was I called The Little Talk. And it was about a dad. Was it a dad? Oh no, you know, I think it was me. It was him saying Uncle Rich, I'm telling the boy, I don't know if, if it started as a speech about the birds and the bees, but it devolves into talking about the Autobots and the Decepticons. (laughs) Really, really dumb. But I'm super glad that I did it because he was just a little kid at the time, like a toddler. Maybe I'm thinking of him doing like the Creative Commons license when he was two or three or something like that. You're
1: listening to That Gets My Goat. I thought you were better than that.
0: And maybe he was a little bit older when I did the little talk. But I've got another nephew, it's his younger brother, and I'd never involved him in any of these projects. And so, today and yesterday, instead of writing what I was supposed to be writing, which is a Ben Parks short story or or novella, we'll see how how big it gets, I wrote this. So, without further ado, my nephew and I, Caligula.
1: I Caligula.
0: I Caligula by Rish Outfield The last time you ever write a parking ticket unless there are meter maids in hell
1: <laughs>
0: What? Uh, you really ought to knock, Tobin. You might see your daddy doing something you can't unsee.
1: Daddy, what are you doing?
0: Just writing some fan fiction for the YouTube comments section.
1: What is a baby with beasts?
0: That's my username, Tobin. But it's not beasts. It's breasts.
1: Uh, okay. Can I ask you something?
0: Well, sure, kiddo. Long as it doesn't take too long. And isn't about who's going to pay for the wall between the US and Mexico.
1: Okay. What's Caliga mean?
0: Caligula? Wow. A little sooner than I thought you'd ask, but okay.
1: I was reading in a book and it said Cal... Caligula,
0: right. Well, Tobin, Gaius Caligula was the emperor of Rome, reigning from 37 to 41 AD. Disney made an animated film about him a few years back. Didn't you see it?
1: I don't think so. What was it called?
0: Walt Disney's Caligula. It had music by Tim Rice and an all-star cast. Huge bomb, despite the controversy upon its release. It's kind of an overlooked classic, if you ask me. And pretty historically accurate for an animated kids' flick.
1: I don't understand.
0: What's to understand? Caligula was a mad emperor who although initially helpful to the Roman Empire by political reform and vast construction projects, went into an epileptic seizure and, when he came to, declared that he was the god Jupiter. He insisted that his people worship him and, in his madness, saw conspiracies to depose him everywhere he looked, putting to death many of his allies and advisors, whether they were actually plotting against him or not.
1: Why would he do that? Well
0: that's complicated part of it was that he was insane of course but even from childhood he was devious amoral and knew how to manipulate those around him for example when his grandfather the emperor tiberius had his father murdered young caligula ingratiated himself to the emperor delaying his revenge until he had earned his grandfather's trust by biding his time until he would be named tiberius's successor He then had his grandfather smothered with a pillow, leaving him in charge of Rome. Oh, no! Well, that kind of intrigue was commonplace in those days, especially among the ruling class. And it made for some delightful scenes in the movie.
1: I don't think I saw it.
0: I'm pretty sure I took you. Come on, don't you remember the song from the movie? Caligula sings... I love my sisters more each day. Drusilla, Luvilla, Agrippina. I exploit them in every way. With my hands, my power, and my weena. I'd marry each one. As I've said, I'm so fond of the institution. But if they don't please me when we're abed, I'll sell them into prostitution. But doesn't ring a bell? No. Too bad. Cumberbatch should have gotten an Oscar for that. Do you remember the comic relief? Kevin Hart voiced Incitatus, Caligula's famous horse.
1: I like horses.
0: So did Caligula. He liked his so much, he made it a senator. They fed it oats mixed with gold flake, and he built a marble and ivory stable for it.
1: What's a senator?
0: Ah, in ancient Rome, senators were above priests, and consuls were above senators. Caligula had planned to make his horse a consul, one of the leading officers of the Republic, either in his madness or as an insult to the other senators. But he died before he was able to bring his plan to fruition.
1: How did he die?
0: Emperor Caligula was assassinated by some of his Praetorian guards who isolated him during a gladiatorial performance and butchered him with their swords while the crowd's attention was focused elsewhere.
1: That must have hurt.
0: I imagine it did, Tobin. After all, they stabbed him 30 times, and when they were sure he was dead, they relocated to the palace, where they murdered his wife and dashed his infant daughter's head against a wall.
1: Was she all right?
0: Well, no, she... I... <clears throat> you know, son, I may have gotten a little carried away in telling you all this. After all, you asked a simple question. And I turned it into a mini-history lesson, complete with song.
1: not a very good song.
0: No, I suppose not. Tim Rice is slipping. But anyway, did that answer your question?
1: I don't know. I just wanted to know what the word colligate meant.
0: Caligula.
1: Look at my book. It says, this is my colligate. Mr. Bice
0: Oh It's a Colleague It means someone that works with you
1: Okay Thanks, Dad
0: Anytime, son so thank you for listening to that. I, I can't say I'm proud of that. A lot of the sketches that I write, either for this show or for the Doonstief, they're just, they're an extension of the short film scripts that I used to write when I was in school. And some of those got made and some of them never got made. And while it always bummed me out when a project wouldn't get made, wouldn't come to fruition, I know that I got a little bit more of my stuff produced than others. There are some people, you know, that worked on one script for a short film, and even that never got made. Luckily, you know, I had friends like Big Anklevich who were willing to help me out, and a lot of the people in the program had their own equipment. They had cameras, or they were willing to act, or it was sort of a I. Scratch your back, you scratch mine. Where it's like, hey, would you work on this for me, Rich? And I'll do something for you later. I, I just—I always thought it would be great to write for Saturday Night Live, to be able to write sketches and have talented people perform them. And you know, I never got to do that. And Saturday Night Live is so cutthroat. I mean, usually you don't hear from the writers; you hear from the actors, the performers, the not ready for primetime players about how it was a competition to see who could get their characters on, to see who could break out. Like Lauren Michaels will bring in a bunch of what's considered featured players, which are like the junior varsity members of the cast. And maybe only one or two of those is ever gonna move up to be a regular cast member, and the rest are just not going, they're gonna get cut at the end of the season. So it's, it's like sports in a way. And you only have so many opportunities to prove yourself, so many opportunities to break out. And the way usually that you break out is you appear in a sketch as a character that's successful enough that they bring you back again and again. And if you're somebody like Mike Myers, who's a writer and a performer, you've got a better shot of getting your foot in the door. But if you're just a writer, then you're at the mercy of these cast members. And if you're just a cast member, then you're at the mercy of these writers. And you hope that you impress one of them and that they want to write something for you. But in the stuff that I've read, yeah, it, it is, I keep using the word cutthroat, but there's no better word for it. It's just, yeah, you get your shot and if there's a writer that likes you, or if Lorne likes you or, or something like that, then maybe you get a chance to be a star on the show. Or maybe you'll be somebody like Ben Stiller, for example, who was on the show and never shown as a cast member. So, you know, so I write these things, and in my mind, they're pretty funny. And usually on the day, I can see whether they're funny or not. And it's still super subjective, right? Like something that I found amusing might not have been at all amusing once it was all edited together and put out there. I wrote a sketch for me and Big and Renee Chambliss and Marshall Latham to do called Positive Spin, that's what it was. And in my mind, it was really, really funny. But when we got the four of us in a virtual room and we delivered the lines, It wasn't, and a part of me didn't want to release that. Yeah, I didn't want to put that out there, but you kind of have to, right, if you've had these people work on it with you. I mean, you don't want to be Starship Sofa, where people have done all this work and then it just never comes out. I mean, you do want to be Starship Sofa because those guys, I think they have a Hugo Award. So with this one, I was watching something about the Emperor Caligula the other day, and it was where he had gotten really sick, and he'd had a fever dream that he called a vision, where his grandfather came back from the dead and told him that you were going to be... In the Roman culture of the time, when an emperor would die, it was believed that they rose to the level of of gods in the afterlife, and that it was up to an emperor that came later to proclaim their predecessors gods. In that way, they escaped to the fires of hell, and they uh, would live on, you know, through eternity and be worshipped by the Roman people. I mean, that's an oversimplification of their theology. But that's basically what what it was. And Caligula told this story that his grandfather had come to him. His grandfather, who had been emperor and was now a god, and told Caligula that he would be a god in life. He wouldn't have to wait until he died. He was a god now. Caligula was quite mad and demanded that people refer to him as a god he had the faces of the statues of the gods in Rome removed, and his own face replaced them because now he was Jupiter. Now he was Apollo. Now he was Ted Nugent. You know, the, these things happened that way. So he ended up spending just an, an unbelievable amount of the Roman Empire's money on these self-aggrandizement projects. I mean, one of them was he was going to build the the largest boat that had ever been built. And I'm trying to remember who it was. I want to say Xerxes had built this gigantic ship and it was remembered, you know, that Xerxes had built the world's biggest ship. And so Caligula was going to build two ships both of them larger than Xerxes. Is. And he built these ships and they were they were massive, but they were so big and unwieldy that they sank. And they remained there at the bottom of the lake, and I can't remember what the lake was, until the 20th century. I want to say in the 1920s, no, it was the 1930s. Archaeologists went into the lake and they were able to bring up the remains of one of these sh- ships, or both of these ships. I Shoot, I wish I had done a little bit more research so I could impress you with my knowledge of Caligula. But these ships had existed all the way until the 1930s. Then in World War II, they were destroyed. They were firebombed during the war, in the fighting, and finally destroyed after... I mean, nearly 2,000 years, which is amazing. Caligula only reigned for four years, and then he ended up being assassinated. But the, the, the scene where he proclaimed himself a god, it stuck in my mind. And I thought about doing a sketch like the... Uh, do you remember when i do, like, the Barbie... Commercials for Barbie movies that were going to be coming... And it would always be inappropriate Barbie stories. Well, I was going to do, like, Walt Disney's Caligula. And it was going to have celebrity voices. And it was going to have songs. And I thought it would just be really fun to write a couple of songs. And so I I was trying to come up with a song where Caligula is telling everybody about his grandfather's visit or write a song and we'd have Sir Anthony Hopkins be the voice of Tiberius. I want to say Tiberius was Caligula's grandfather. Um, But I could be wrong. Tiberius might have been Caligula's uncle and Claudius was Tiberius's younger brother. Claudius is the one who follows after Caligula and becomes emperor, he's the one that they, that was a fool, and he stammered, and he had a limp, and because he was a fool, he would escape the palace intrigue and not get murdered when a regime would change. I thought it would be fun if Sir Anthony Hopkins were the voice of the ghost, if you will, of his grandfather, who's come to tell Caligula that... No more will you have to wait until your death to be a god. A god you are right now, my grandson. And I thought, you know, I would do it in the voice of Sir Anthony Hopkins and try to perform the song in his voice. And then I would have, like, somebody wholly inappropriate... For the voice of Caligula Like, Ryan Reynolds is Caligula Anyway, this was something that I kicked around for a couple of days To amuse myself And then I realized It's beyond my ability To write songs You know what I mean? Because you need music and all that stuff And I'm not musically inclined So then I got the idea of just doing it as A... Father, the same really bad parent that tells his boy about the Autobots and the Decepticons, telling his boy about the life of Caligula. See, now that I'm telling it to you, it is just stupid. I mean, it's just stupid. But I kind of hope that I pulled it off anyway. I mean, only you can tell whether it worked or not. And that's, that's the thing with writing these things. And it's the thing with all writing, but especially the sketch writing, where I'm trying to be funny. In your mind, it may be hilarious or scary or heartbreaking or exciting, but it's up to you and your, whatever talents you have to convey that from an idea in your head to something that other people can experience. And many writers... Can spend their whole life trying to develop that talent and i mean hopefully i'll be around at least a couple more years to get better at this i don't know i mean i think i've over explained where this came from and that's probably not amusing but a part of me is kind of bummed out that i didn't get to do the songs and you know come up with like the and i used to know his name The head of the Praetorian Guard, I want to say his name was Cassius something, who decides that Caligula's political decisions are just so damning to the Roman Empire that that the time has come that he has to be deposed, that he has to be slain. Uh, So it could be a song similar to the Scar song, where he's trying to rally the hyenas. What is that song called? See, I'm not really a fan of Lion King. Um, be prepared. You know, something like that where Cassius is saying, you know, When Caligula did this, we let it go. When Caligula said this, we let it go. When Caligula made his horse into a consul, well, we shook our heads, but let it go. When Caligula wed his sister, we let it go. When Caligula wed his other sister, we let it go. When Caligula wed his third sister, well, and and I feel like, you know, Patrick Stewart saying, The line must be drawn here, here, and no further. Wait, let's see if we can get Captain Picard doing that speech from First Contact in song. They invade our space And we fall back. They assimilate entire worlds and we fall back. But the line, the line must be drawn. Here, here, and no further. Okay, as I said, I am not musically talented. I guess ideally, I would partner up with somebody who is. And they're like, oh, hey, I could write a song where we're talking about Caligula's crimes and that we looked the other way, but not anymore, kids. I'm just gonna give you this little bonus because this episode hasn't been very long. Or maybe it's been too long. I'll let you be the judge of that. But let me know if you enjoy these things, if they're not a complete failure, and and I'll probably do another one. Yeah, that, that could be a threat, kids. I'll probably do another one, if you're not good. This has been Rish Outfield. Thank you. The music in this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod, the podcaster's friend. His work can be found over at incompetech.com.
1: Like it or not, the Rish Outcast is presented under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. While it hurts to say that means you can't alter, sell, or claim ownership of the file, but you can download it, share
0: it, and grind it to bits under your heavy boots free of charge. There's also a Patreon fund attached to it if you've lost hold of your
1: censures and want to encourage more of the show. You can donate a dollar an
0: episode and up, or just contribute monthly to Outfield's daft schemes. In return, he presents exclusive content, as well as early access to the episodes. You're still here? Well, get out there and get on with your day. You think the bad guys are going to stop themselves?